Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Our thanks to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Coming up this week, as Rovers hit the top of the FNB Premier League, um, we're joined by one of the men who makes things happen down at Portsmouth, Barry Moroni, to reflect on their promising start to the season. We'll also look back at the Jeremy Cup action, Saints, the last of the Guernsey sides to fall on Saturday. And we'll touch on what's coming up this week as well. I'm Tony Kerr and with me is Gareth the Prevost. Hi, Tony. And James Fowler. Hi, Tony. We may also reflect on my Vets debut this weekend, Jim. Uh, brought off the bench with 10 minutes to go uh, till halftime and then subbed off at halftime. Um, but uh, more on that to come. <laughs> subbed <laughs> off for me as well. That is... <laughs> it, was, it was a chastening... Is that the uh, ultimate insult? It was a chastening start to my, uh, to my Vets life. But uh, yeah, we'll come back to that perhaps at the end of the show. Um, let's start with the Premier League stuff then. As I say, uh, Rovers uh, have hit the top of the league. Um, they did it with a very convincing victory at Blanche Pierre Lane last midweek. 3-0 winners. Um, Gareth, you were there. A big statement win, was it, for Rovers, do you think? Um, you might call it that. So anyway, I think Saints are struggling a bit at the moment. Their, their momentum's sort of taking them in the wrong direction. But um, yeah, Rovers were thoroughly deserving of their three points. It, it could have been a lot more, to be honest. Um, Max Simpson Cohen scored a hat-trick on the night and played really well. I thought um, Finn Whitmore was outstanding. He was, you could just tell almost from the start he was really up for that game. And I think actually, to be fair, the whole Rovers team were up for that game. You could, you could tell from the outset. And um, yeah, 3-0 certainly didn't flatter them. I thought they were really, really convincing winners. Um, good goals as well and just showed sort of like the, the the quality they've got available to them I must admit I, speaking to Kevin Gillies after and he, he sort of pointed out very quickly that the, the bench they were able to call upon during that game um, so it's in the second half you certainly didn't weaken the side it just put fresh legs on but no no um, decrease in quality at all we got the likes of Colton Fletcher and Charlie Platt that sort of that standard of player coming off the bench to, to bolster you in the last quarter of the game um, you're, you're gonna you're in a good state and um, yeah Rovers the only unbeaten side so they're probably in the position they deserve to be now I mean they they um, They've played, I think, a game less than some of the other contenders, but um, they're, they're looking like they're, they're getting their um, momentum rolling. And um, I think they're certainly going to be in contention for the rest of the season. Do you think we should be surprised by this, Jim? I mean, they won the Rawlinson um, with, with a big win over North um, in that competition. Um, they haven't faced North yet in the league. Uh, so many people's kind of tips for the title, but... Um, yeah, I mean, were Rovers sort of undervalued? Do you think going into the season? Uh, no, I think it was. I think it was probably fair. Um, Rovers have a kind of knack of overperforming for periods and underperforming for periods. And last year, their underperformance came at a key time, which cost them, uh, you know, a fair bit of silverware. Maybe um, I think um, Gareth has just referenced Finn Whitmore. I think he's very important to them. You know, goals can be Rovers' problem if Finn is playing more than likely they'll score some goals and then he'll bring uh, Martin Savedon and uh, Max Simpson Cohen into play uh, and you know Rovers to me always look significantly better when Finn is in the team yeah he's capable of scoring um, some fantastic goals himself but he's also just a, a, a fantastic presence isn't he on the field I mean physically you know. he's, he's a good target man at Prio uh, level you know like a Sam Murray or something you know somebody who defenders can use yeah, and know that the ball we will you know, be retained, and then you bring other people into play. You know, I think Rovers' defence and midfield are are very strong, and their possession football is can be very impressive. It's just what sometimes happens or doesn't happen in the final third, and that's what they need to uh, sort out. And if they sorted it out like apparently they did on Tuesday night, then uh, yeah, they could go a, a long way. 
yeah, impressive stuff from Rovers. Well, we'll talk a bit more about them with Barry um, shortly. Um, elsewhere in the Prio this weekend, um, Vale Rec uh, continued their impressive run. 2-1 winners over Bells at Corbett Field. So um, Rec in second place um, in the FNB Prio League. Um, no game for North this weekend. And Rangers picked up their first points of the season um, with a convincing win over Alderney at the KG5. 4-1 that one finished. Again, says a lot for Rec uh, and the way that they're going this season that they grind out a, re- a result there. And you know, they uh, took the lead against the run of play, according to their uh, social media, uh, and uh, and then you know held on for a, for a good win. So and that takes them uh, equal on points with Rovers at the top of the league. Yeah, just one point separating the top four, bit with Rovers and North um, having a game in hand, and Saints um, with their third defeat of the season um, in that game against Rovers um, back on nine points. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's shaping up to be pretty competitive at, at the bottom. What about Rangers? Stefan Timms with a hat trick um, down there. That'll please Rob Batiste. I think it will please Rangers uh, across the board. I think there was a feeling at the, uh, I don't know if you call them St Andrews or KG5 camp nowadays, but there's a feeling within the Red and Blacks that they were starting to get somewhere this season. And then it got comprehensively derailed with that woeful performance against uh, Rovers and then um, uh, losing uh, Marlon Jardim. Uh, so, you know, you know, back to the drawing board on what would have been a, a, a crunch game, you know, battle of the bottom two. And uh, Stefan Timms uh, steps up, fair play. And actually, you know, he's a lad who, uh, you know, I think it's very easy to be under, underrated. And, and when he leading the line for a team that is struggling will you know sometimes blow very hot and cold um you know but he's a guy who could arguably do a job for many prio teams you know he's, he's physical um uh quick you know wants to be busy uh yeah maybe a bit inconsistent in front of goal but uh fair play you know for a guy like him who's consistently put it in at uh at rangers it's nice to see him getting his day in the sun yeah a good moment for rangers um sylvans themselves and alderney um locked on three points um in the bottom three um so it's gonna be a, a competitive uh, rest of the season i'm sure amongst um, those sides um right i think that's just about it for part one um, coming up next we'll um talk a bit more about rovers with barry Moroney. Welcome back to the Guns Press Football Podcast. Um, if you're not already, do give us a follow on social media at GSY Press Sports, a place to go and, of course, um, pick up a paper six days a week um, for the very best local football coverage. Um, right, time to introduce our guest uh, this week, um, James, someone you've known um, for a little while down at Rovers and someone who's, uh, I suppose, been sort of witness to some big progress at Portsmouth. Yeah, my wife would say that Barry and I have been joined at the hip <laughs> for the past 13 years or so uh, since we started coaching minis together. Uh, but Barry's moved on significantly further than I have so uh, he's now um, Prio assistant coach uh, quite often assistant Jackson slash linesman um, uh, under 18s coach uh, minis coordinator I think he does the year one coaching as well at, uh, at Rovers so it's fair to say Barry is uh, it's all over Portsmouth and things going very well down at Portsmouth top of the Prio top of the Jacko uh, yeah, I mean, um, there have been some issues. I think the under-16s have dropped out of the leagues. But but aside from that, you know, the Rovers is, is a really strong uh, group. And, and I guess um, perhaps... Uh, to an extent, you know, you kind of feel that you've got to be a person who loves Portsmouth to uh, to want to be a rover. But uh, once uh, once people do nowadays, they tend to tend to stick with it. So you know, it's a very strong club. You know, uh, very strong Prio squad. 
Jackson has its own defined squad. It's not just an exercise in filling shirts. Two railway teams, Vets team that's always near the top of the league, and you know, and two independent youth sides in in the under eighteen league, for example. So shows that there is a really good structure through the club, and uh, somebody like Barry is very much a part of that. Well, lots going on at Portsmouth, as you say. Um, so let's hear our chat with Barry Murney. Barry, welcome to the pod. No, thanks a mil for having us on. Yeah, we've had a busy weekend, so yeah, nice to get a chance to chat about it, yeah. Yeah, lots to talk about. Um, things seem to be going very well down at Portsmouth at the moment. Just take us uh, sort of inside the clubhouse. What's the vibe like? Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, it, the vibe is always pretty you know, pretty good down there for the, last, you know, for the last few years, I suppose, because the first team has been competitive yeah, for the last few years, it's yeah generated a yeah generated a bit of interest, and sometimes when you get the maybe the nice games of a Saturday afternoon, of a sunny afternoon, yeah, there's always a bit of a crowd comes down to yeah see the see the first team. So no, it's good, yeah, and the nice little social scene afterwards as well, uh, which yeah, which is quite which is good because the the club is supposed to spend yeah a lot of money trying to yeah develop the infrastructure around the playing side as well yeah in recent years and and that brings people into the club who are maybe not necessarily football supporters or cricket supporters but they just like the social scene in the club of a Saturday evening which is yeah it's part of it as well it's all part of the mix and we're going to touch on I think various levels of the, of the club but starting on the Prio side of things top of the table a big win at Saints last week as we've been talking about um, what, what sense do you get about this team and how it compares to the, the one that won the Prio a couple of times um, a few years ago yeah, I mean, I think just some of the players are still involved. So there's a, there's a core of experience uh, in, in in the group uh, this season for sure, for sure, who have been there, you know, been there before, and we've been we've been you know, top three for the last few seasons. So so the guys are used to being in contention, but maybe the last couple of seasons we've tailed away a little bit. Come to second half. Uh, second half of the season but when you look at last season was a huge transition year for us we had a you could name a team who probably would have won uh, a prior title who were unavailable to us last season for most of the season so I think we've now kind of come out at the other side yeah of that a little bit and most really pleasing maybe a bit last season when we were going through such transition was we were still relatively competitive a lot of players maybe playing first team football last year who weren't a couple of years before that. But our second team was still also competitive in the Jackson. Yeah, we finished second, I think lost out by a point or two to Pirates and got to the, the cup final as well. So I think that was kind of testament to the maybe the player base uh, across the, the open age groups uh, in the in the club to be relatively competitive first team, got to the FA Cup final, uh, unfortunately, you know, got beaten. But to be that competitive given the amount of players we'd lost who left the island, gave GFC a go, injuries. So that yeah, that was that that was pleasing. Uh, so it was for sure. And then the uh, we're out of both uh, Inter Island, the Weeway and Jeremy, but in both games performed quite well. And we probably thought we were the, the better team for an hour in both of the games, but lost the two of them in uh, extra time. So I think you know the group first team group can take a lot of positives from that. Yeah, you know, this season that we've mixed it with two. Good teams in Jersey, more than held their own, um, and just yeah, try take it into the uh, rest of the, the league and cup games this season. When did you first become involved with Rovers, and, and what did it look like when you arrived? Yeah, my involvement early early doors was was purely on the mini side of it. it was with with James, <laughs> uh, so when I was in the minis, our, our 
James wasn't a mini at the time. Was <laughs> our, <it>? sons, <laughs> yeah, our, our, our sons playing. Yeah, and James was the, James was the coach. Uh, yes, so was. I, I started coaching an older group, my older son's group, and then knew that there was a hole in the coaching setup for my younger son's age group. So I went down to coach that, did one session by myself and thought, help. <laughs> um, asked for uh, parents to come forward. And uh, Barry was the, uh, was the guy who came forward and his wife has thanked me ever since. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like coming into the club then? I mean, yeah, it, it, things have changed a lot, but um, what did things look like when you started out? But initially, it was only the minis scene that I would have been involved in. And the mini scene looked quite organised. And again, Rovers, at that stage, had a reputation for having quite a good uh, quite a good mini scene. The only real connection I had had with the club before then was Gaelic football. We used to host our annual Gaelic football tournament down at uh, Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. And I lived quite close as well. So they were probably the two, uh, uh, the two links to getting involved. But... Like, all the work that Jez Robin and others had done yeah, years before, so they had a really good reputation for yeah, the mini side of it. And you, know, you walked into it and it looked like a really good structure and a really good setup. Uh, At that point, perhaps that, that sort of mini structure wasn't feeding through into a senior setup because there wasn't the sort of bulk of players at the, the sort of adult age group. Yeah, there, there was probably probably first team at that stage, I wouldn't think there was anybody who would have been involved in, or very few who would have been involved in minis or youth football. It was maybe two or three years later. They kind of had a very good under 13, 14, 15 teams. They had two or three really strong uh, underage teams in a row. Finn Whitmore's, Max Robins, Benetox, Louis Fallas, Louis Graham. So there was a core coming through. Uh, but yeah, first team wise, yeah, it was always this looked to be looked from a distance, yeah, it looked to be a struggle. Uh, so on that did. But I think, you know, the club knew some, that it had to get a youth infrastructure uh, in place. And yeah, and at the time knew that, yeah, it was a long term, a long term strategy. But yeah, hoping that it would pay off. To be honest, I think we're quite fortunate, really, that everything did come together. Rovers have been doing it for a long time, and basically, you're developing players for other clubs to come and uh, and pick off at whatever age group. Because the lack of of senior success, you know, made it unattractive. And you know, frankly, you can see teams nowadays in the, in the league. Look at the opportunities we're given for sixteen year olds. Some of those opportunities, I don't think, are opportunities. I think they're you know uh, dressed up as opportunities. They're filling shirts uh, by you know throwing young guys in there. There's a difference between easing 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds into a team and relying on them, you know. Um, and Rovers for too long, you know, would occasionally unearth a diamond, chuck them in the team, they lose every week and think, what am I doing here? You know, loads of players have been lost in, in over that, that generation. Um, so fair play to Carl Addis and then Jez Robin, who, you know, developed a structure where those guys were able to come into a team that was, you know, that, that was starting to flourish or at least holding its own. And then you've got a chance. Yeah, how important has that been, Barry, to have that um, that relationship between, I suppose, yeah, a successful or, re- or um, uh, a kind of functional adult setup, senior setup, and a sort of functional, you know, age group pathway? Yeah, yeah, and I think lots of, lots of clubs focus on the minis and focus on the, the first team, where really the key then to, is the youth is, is the players in between. That that's what's key because you you will lose so many players to university other interests that I see some clubs getting a little bit hung up on we've got a really good under 15 team but chances are come 18 19 years of age half of those guys are not playing football and, and, and 
people, yeah, and you need, you need four or five <laughs> teams like that to come through and hope then you can get two or three guys who will yeah, transition into your first team. But I think, as James has just said, it's, the key to it is bringing a, a youngster in to a team where he's not expected to be the main person in the team. You can slot someone in at full back and they've got experienced players around them to carry him through games rather than depending on these younger guys to, 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 you know, to, be the, to do the heavy lifting for you. Uh, so, no, it's, it's, it's really important from a club point of view and, and nice to, when you're involved in the minis, in the youths, seeing guys coming into coming into first team. And the last couple of years, we've brought an awful lot of youngsters through to, into the Jacko team. And you hope then in a couple of years that some of those will be uh, knocking on uh, first, first team door as well. But having said that, we probably have quite a young first team. So it, it 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 is difficult for you know, difficult for guys uh, to break you know, break into that group. You probably have to come in and maybe train for a year or two to get up to speed. Whereas other clubs, some of our guys could probably walk in and play first team football. And sometimes you got to say to people, look, what what do you want from your football? Are you wanting to develop as a player, or are you looking to play first team football? And if you're looking to play first team football, maybe that's not us for a season or two. But if you want to get better as a footballer, actually stay here and train with this group of players for a year or two and, and you will improve. And how much buy-in do you get from players, you know, when you say that to them? Do you generally get the right reaction or the reaction that you're looking for? Sometimes. It, it, it all depends on what the player is looking for from their football. Some people think, oh, I'm good enough to play first-team football and I'll go and play for yeah, one of their clubs, which, which they will. But in two seasons' time, are they really coming on and developing as a, you know, developing as a player? Like young Charlie Platt, for argument's sake, who's on our uh, first team now, even didn't even play representative football uh, underage. Uh, um, he was just really keen to play football. As soon as he turned 16, came down first team training. So he spent two or three years training alongside Carlos. Yeah, it was absolutely, he loved it. Absolutely, yeah, fantastic for him. And now, yeah, he's one of our stronger uh, first team players. So it all depends really on the makeup uh, of the yeah of, of the individual. Yeah, it's clearly paying dividends because, um, as we said, yeah, such a promising start to the season. Rawlinson winners, um, top of the pre table, but it wasn't always like that, was it? We we brought up the table from um, 2012-13. Rovers finished bottom of the pre played 24, won none, drew none. Goal difference of minus 98. Um, to go from that then to winning the Prio back-to-back just three or four years later, um, what a remarkable turnaround. Yeah, I think the likes of the late with Carl Addis, who we sadly lost uh, earlier on uh, this year, maybe started to bring an element of professionalism is the wrong word, but uh, got guys maybe to take the football a little bit more serious, prepare a little better. And yeah, I think he was probably the, the starting point uh, for little bit of a turnaround uh, at Rovers and which yeah Jez then came in and um, yeah, I suppose Jez being quite a been over some of the more successful U teams it was kind of a natural uh, transition for him knew the players players knew him um, yeah they kind of then brought Rovers to the next level but yeah you see you said 10 seasons ago yeah it's uh, it's, a, it's, it's a big change big turnaround the thing is Jez brought in a lot uh, or brought in some players from outside but not an awful lot there's not an awful lot of guys in that Rovers squad who have been brought in in recent times from other clubs you know there's a lot of, uh, of, of development through the ranks there and as a result it's a really always comes across as a really tight group yeah I'd agree there is yeah the guys are a good bunch guys most of the guys socialize yeah quite yeah 
not heavily, but they socialise together. These guys in their twenties, of course, they're going to go out and enjoy their enjoy their weekends. But yeah, they enjoy each other's company, and uh, and, and you see that really come through at training. I mean, if it's a game of tiddlywinks at the yeah, start of the session, that yeah, if there's a rule you haven't thought of, and so, someone is asking it for, a, you know, for an <laughs> angle, it's just uh, yeah, it's it, it's incredible. So, yeah, they're, they're competitive. Yeah, they're all yeah, really really competitive. So, yeah, training is really good fun. Yeah, yeah, really good fun. So your time at Rovers began alongside James uh, in the minis. Over that period of time, how's it evolved? I mean, how do you describe what you do now? Uh, I, I like to think that maybe I, I fill holes sometimes. <laughs> if, there's a, if, there's a little bit of, if there's a bit of a gap, I'll try and yeah, yeah, I'll try and help out. But yeah, I'm down on minis on a Saturday morning, and then you help the first team with Kev on a yeah Saturday afternoon. And generally, there's an underage fixture on a Sunday uh, as well. Yeah, that you yeah you should be involved in. But fresh air is good for you. Good for you, Tony. Get- <laughs> or he's running the live for somebody, or he's uh, serving as Chris Lee's assistant secretary for some admin role, etc. Representing the club at GFLM meetings and GFA meetings. Yeah, it just doesn't stop. <laughs> and it's been a busy weekend as well with. Uh- First team against Vets. There was another game on Sunday as well, which went to penalties. Yeah, we had a big, a big Rovers v Rovers weekend. We've had a couple of games already this season because we have two teams in this season's under-18 league. So our under-17 and mm-hmm. under-18 Rovers teams have already played each other. Uh, in the Railway Shield, our Vets enter it uh, and they brought our Rovers Railway team in the first round. Uh, uh, and then we had the, the two games uh, this weekend, but yeah, back to back, you know, Saturday and Sunday. So no, it was good fun. Yeah, good to be, good, good, good to be a part of. Yeah, uh, the FA Cup game on Saturday. The vets were missing a couple of players, which would have made them, yeah, a little bit more competitive. But yeah, I think they they all they all enjoyed it. And maybe one of the one of the better performances on performances on the day came from <laughs> the vet centre back uh, Sam Letizia, who yeah, put in an absolutely fantastic performance to yeah. Uh, Keep 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 the scoreline down. So he did. Yeah, they lost a goalie at half time uh, as well uh, in the game. So it was a tough afternoon for the vets. But yeah, they enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure they did. I'm sure they did. Um, and tell us about what else is going on at Portsmouth then, because that's become a real sporting hub. Um, there's, there is, there is a lot going on down there. But you guys also thinking about kind of what comes next and, and how you're going to push things forward? Yeah, I think you've all, you've always got to be trying to look yeah, a couple of years ahead. Yeah, you, you can't stand still. So there's been a lot of work going on in the clubhouse yeah, in the last, particularly the last yeah, last few months, uh, extended the clubhouse a, a little bit uh, inside, new patio, uh, 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 new conservatory windows, which yeah, have made the inside of the club uh, quite nice and very bright, yeah, which is good to see. Uh, the Pitch, the playing surface gets an awful lot of use because as well, we've got football all winter, you then have cricket in the summer, archery range goes on nearly all year round and we also have touch rugby uh, taking place uh, in the summer as well. So the ground gets, uh, yeah, playing surface gets a lot of use and particularly this summer being so dry, yeah, the surface was really yeah, it was really starting to look a bit tired at the start of the season. But Chris Chris Lee, who has done a fantastic job on uh, working on it in the, in the last couple of months, whereas it looked really good. The surface was good uh, for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. And then our tra- training training wise is probably the next thing that we're starting starting to look at because we have such a strong player base throughout the club. And looking at the numbers we have in some of our minis groups, where we already say, look, we can't take. We can't take anymore. Um, that yeah, we're kind of starting to look at is a, a 3G 
training pitch is that feasible for us to do uh, at Portsmouth uh, because the training pitch just gets hammered two nights a week or two, twice a week uh, with two different groups used twice every night you know four nights a week which which takes its toll on any on any playing surface particularly over the winter yeah, I bet. Well, that's uh, an exciting, potentially exciting development for sure. Um, what, what about your own sporting background? You mentioned Gaelic football um, before. Uh, did you have a, a, a soccer background as well? Not more socially. Uh, yeah. Played 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 a lot of yeah played a lot of football uh, socially, uh, and just when I came over here, just played business league. Uh, just met a group of guys who came over around a similar time, mainly Irish guys, and we, we, we started Gaelic Football Club, started a week or two after I, uh, after I came over. Um, and then, yeah, over the winter, we said, yeah, it was, I played a bit of business league football. You had a game every Saturday. It was fantastic and didn't impact your socialising on a Friday or, or Saturday night. It was nearly compulsory to play on a Saturday morning. I'd go out on, <laughs> go out on Friday night. I was, I was part of the team selection. <laughs> so it was. So, yeah, no, I've always enjoyed it. Uh, I used to run quite a lot as well. I've, I've always been involved since maybe 15 or 16 years of age. I've always been involved in sports administration with whatever clubs I was involved in uh, at the time. Yeah. But, yeah, never really, never, never took football. Uh, yeah. That's serious, yeah. yeah Enjoy. I've seen some such thing. I've seen some sorry sights on uh, Cambridge Park or Bowser on a Saturday morning. Yeah, Delancey sure. was the worst. No, the, <laughs> Saturday morning at Delancey. Yeah. That was the, yeah. yeah that, that was that, that was the ultimate challenge. That yeah. was yeah, yeah. But of course, all those pitches now are lost to football, mm. and I think it's something football now is really going to have to look at. Uh, when you're aware of the numbers that are coming through, not just for Rovers, but across all clubs, when you see mm. minis, yeah, we just don't have the pitches. The people want to play games. That's what they play football for, is, mm. to, is to have matches. And it's, are we going to be able to yeah, accommodate these for the, for the numbers coming through? I think we re- really have to look at it. It's interesting, because you mentioned, that obviously, about wanting to put in a 3G training pitch at Portsmouth. Do you think people have been, or footballers have been, spoilt by the 3G at the KG5 and perhaps the idea of playing, you know, in a kind of muddy Cambridge Park on a, on a Saturday morning isn't quite as appealing as playing for half an hour and, you know, in a Wednesday night, seven aside or six aside at nah, 3G? I, I, I suppose you've got to look at what's, you know, what's sustainable and with the numbers we have trying to train an hour training pitch isn't sustainable. Uh, we, we use the KG5 quite a lot at Rovers and uh, other facilities as well. But the players, even though the surface of the KG5 is lovely, players from all ages up prefer to train at the home club. They really do. So I think that's something, you know, we've got to, you know, we've got to look to accommodate. And if you can get a, a training pitch out of it, maybe you could play nine aside games as well um, so yeah that's that's the reason we're starting to starting to look into it yeah, well, yeah. I, was, I was just going to go back to the, the Saints Rovers game which just could have been and, um, obviously it was, it was a very good win for Rovers um, the 3-0 um, having spoken to Kevin afterwards I, I just sort of wanted to get your take on this but he basically said to me the biggest thing from a coach's point of view was the strength on, of depth on the bench, being able to bring on, I mean, you mentioned Charlie Platt before, and sort of guys like that, um, that obviously shows, it's great in the short term, but it also shows the long-term development that you've had at Rovers, that you, you've got that sort of depth available to you. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the squad at the minute is, 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 yeah, is very strong. And again, it's just reflective of what's gone on over the last you know, num- number of years at the club. And there were still two or three guys not, you know, yeah. not available um, uh, Saturday as well, or last Tuesday as well. So yeah, 
picking the team. Mm. Sometimes picking a squad is difficult at the yeah. minute, but picking a team is, yeah, it's very, very, very hard. And we're probably maybe fortunate to be in a position at the moment where nearly we can pick a team for a certain game. Mm. If we want to play a certain way against the likes of yeah, against the likes of Saints, it might be one eleven, and you might tweak it slightly differently uh, for the next uh, opposition. So, yeah, very, very, very good position to be in. And we said the players have to buy into that as well. And I think, yeah, so far they have, yeah, which is good because Kev's been fantastic at giving guys opportunities and using the different competitions to, to give uh, to, to give players game time who maybe have been slightly on the fringes beforehand, which you didn't a stranger uh, really well mm. uh, last season. Uh, used that to, and that even the players themselves felt that that gave things a little bit of a boost, a little bit of a shake up. That it wasn't just the same eleven uh, starting; that it, it freshened things up and maybe yeah helped us a little bit in the second half of, of last season after we'd struggled with Christmas. We'd we got taken apart by Sylvans, I think, at a game at Port Swaff in December, and then got taken apart by Saints in the first game back uh, in the, uh, after the Christmas break uh, last year. And yeah, people were starting to scratch their heads a little mm-hmm. bit, but it doesn't take too much to, to turn around if you've got a good player base. You know, sometimes results just go against you, uh, and it, you can get a, you know, get a bad run for two or three games. But when you've got a good core, it shouldn't be too long and too long coming back. And were you as confident as Kev going into that Saints game? Because having spoken to Kevin afterwards, he was sort of like he was quietly confident that, they'd, that the team were in that in a right position and the mentality was was spot on going into that big game. Yes, no, I'd agree. Mm. Yeah, yeah. When, it's, when you when you start a squad mm. on on paper, it's well, it's going to take a good team to to beat yeah to beat whatever eleven uh, we're going to start with. So yeah, and and knowing maybe you know Saints you know going through a little bit of player turnover at the minute as well and not being as strong, not being the machine maybe they were uh, last season. You felt, yeah, look, if you could get maybe you get a goal ahead, uh, that yeah, it might be difficult for them to, to, to break us down. Well, plenty to play for this season, isn't there? There's a, a fair way to go still. Yeah, it's very, very, very <laughs> early in the season. So, yeah, you can only really start to get excited about things maybe when there's two or three games left, <laughs> yeah. three or four games left rather than, yeah, rather than this early. But no, at, at this stage, yeah, it, it, it looks good and the, the, group, the group are keen. Yeah, and I think... For, for their development, you know, we need to be challenging for trophies now, yeah, this season. Saints have set a fantastic standard for the last uh, couple of seasons. So, yeah, it's up to the rest of us to try and try and follow suit. Yeah. And it's Sylvan's at home then down at Portsmouth on Saturday. That's right, yeah. Back to, back to the league action this weekend, yeah. There is a real Rovers um, kind of hardcore support now, isn't there, really? Whereas, you know, perhaps in, back in the old days and with no uh, pavilion back at Portsmouth, my God, there was very very few spectators brave <laughs> Portsmouth uh, on a regular basis. Basically family members. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's, there's, a, there's a group have called themselves the Ultras, the Rovers Ultras <laughs> the last, uh, last couple of years. And yeah, I believe there's, yeah, extensive WhatsApp commentary available on the games for the the people who can't make it. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, I'm sure the Ultras will be out in uh, full force um, for that game against Sylvans. Barry, thanks so much for coming in for a chat and um, yeah, best of luck for the rest of the season. No, thanks, Emil. Thanks Thanks, for having us. Barry Moroney speaking to us there. Um, uh, yeah, fantastic enthusiasm and um, yeah, someone who's um, helped oversee some big progress down at Portsmouth for sure and an exciting um, rest of the season they will have. Um, 
Right, let's just have a look back at the other game at the weekend, um, which came at Blanche Pierre Lane, um, where St. Martins took on Grooville in the Jeremy Cup and came unstuck. Um, Benoit is here to tell us all about it. Yeah, Benoit, 3-1 it finished then to Grooville. Um, it started, though, in quite spectacular fashion for Saints. Talk us through Nigel Hutton's wonder strike. Yeah, well, he, he picked up the ball and then looked up, looked at the goal and just put his foot through it, really. And it was just a, a brilliant strike. It was dipping, ran to the top corner. One of the, one of the best goals I've seen live, to be fair. Um, uh, and yeah, it looked, it looked quite, quite promising for Saints. Um, but then, no, uh, Grooville struck. Carl Hines, brilliant, was brilliant, was brilliant on that day. Um, similar sort of fashion, picked the ball up, not as spectacular, bottom corner this time, um, but tucked it away, keeper didn't really have a chance. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, the game went on really, the, the first half, um, Groover were dominating possession-wise, but they weren't really making many chances, uh, they were just sort of comfortable to have the ball in their own half, play it around, see the only gaps. The Saints defence was, was pretty solid, um, but then that sort of changed uh, in the second half, Groovel came out really attacking, uh, still keeping the ball really well. Possession, very, very high possession. Um, and then we saw, yeah, they were making a lot of attacks. They had their first attempt in the first five minutes, some of the, the best ones um, that they had, better than any in the first half. Um, and then, yeah, they uh, they scored a nice a nice movement, just a couple one-twos around, um, put, put, the, put the player through on goal and then a nice finish. Um, the game sort of from there, you could tell Saints weren't going to be weren't going to be getting anything back. They they would never re- retain possession. Um, a lot of hoofed balls up from the fence straight back to the the Grooville players, um, and then and it ended up Carl Hines again. He picked up the ball, and I don't know if it was better than Nigel Hutton's goal, but it was very <laughs> very good. He chipped the keeper from about thirty five yards out um, to set up the scores really. That's impressive from Carl Hines because uh, he's usually a sort of real poacher kind of mm. in and around the box kind of uh, looking for those tap-ins but to to, uh, to finish off with a spectacular goal like that um, is uh, I was going to say uncharacteristic but maybe that's being a bit harsh but um, yeah. uh, impressive. I mean what about Saints? Obviously a better scoreline than when they faced Grooville um, over in the uh, We Wake Up over in Jersey um, but any sort of bright spots in terms of performances? Uh, well, I, I don't know I mean again as I said it was Grooville just controlled the game really so it was quite hard to see any any Saints players popping forever. Louis Hunter was quite good actually. He was in the box. He had a few, a few dancing runs. I thought he might have, might have scored. Yeah, they a penalty claim, but um, no, 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 nothing else really. Again, yeah, it was Grooville controlling it. They were controlling it very well in the midfield actually. They had a I think his name's Chris McBay. Um, tool very good. Sergio Busquets kind of player. He just spread the play amazingly, and yeah, left Saints a bit. It's a bit hard for them. I suppose we'll have to wait and see whether the Guernsey champions uh, end up facing Grooville in the Upton because uh, they, they seem to be the team to beat in Jersey at the yeah. moment and um, sound very impressive. Well, uh, yeah. thanks very much for talking us through it and um, yeah, we'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, Benoit, for that. Um, yeah, so a disappointing season for Guernsey's side in the Jeremy Cup. Um, no representation in the final this year. Um, how big a concern will that be? I mean, do we get a bit overexcited about Guernsey sides being competitive again? Well, it's, it's knockout football, Tony. I mean, this, I know Rovers had a good game against St. Clement, I think it was, in the Jeremy, and they ended up losing two guys to red cards, one right at the end of the 90, and then right at the start of extra time, they end up losing 4-2, but it was a very competitive game. Um, North could have been competitive against Grooville in the Jeremy, but um, they lost Craig Young in the 47th minute to a red card. So it's, it's just the way sort of football can go in these knockout games. I, I must admit, I think Grooville look a very good side. I think they've they've won their last 10 games or something. They, they look like they could be sort of Jersey's powerhouses this season. So it's it's sort of no disgrace to lose to Grooville at all. I mean, I, I'm sure Saints would have been very disappointed with their 8-2 defeat in the in the wee way, but. Um, 
yeah, it's it's just the way these sort of games go. I think most of the actual Jeremy games that I've seen or heard of were actually competitive games. It's just every time Guernsey have just sort of seemed to just come out on the wrong end of a defeat, apart from when Saints beat Sunderland. There's been a history of Jersey clubs and and first teams, first team level, particularly looking in modern era much much stronger than than Guernsey squads in the GFC era. Um, interesting that the Bulls are still drawing players from all over the the place. You know, there's players playing uh, premiership football in Jersey who pop up for the Bulls every, every, uh, on a fairly regular basis nowadays. So there must be a lot of throughput between those those two sides. But Jersey teams have always been kind of well coached, well organised. You re- realise that players earn their spots in the team and they they show that they know what they're supposed to do, as a, which you don't always get in, in Guernsey football. However, I think at the top end of Guernsey football, you're getting that very much clicking into place. Uh, and so I expect, like Gareth says, you know, knockout football, these things will happen. It, I, not that there's ever going to be a Channel Islands League, but if there was, I wouldn't necessarily think that our better teams would be totally out of the equation on that. You know, I think we have made... Great strides forward at the top end of the league uh, with with teams, you know, sorting themselves out, really. OK, so we won't read too much into that one. Um, looking ahead to what's going on this week, then we've got another um, FA Cup match. North taking on Valrec at Northfield and then three games in the Prio next weekend. Um, Alderney travelling to North, um, Rangers hosting Valrec and Rovers taking on Sylvans. Um, GFC also back in action um, on Saturday, a two o'clock kickoff at Westfield. I'm hoping to build on that uh, morale boosting win away last time out. Um, as for me, I've, uh, I've declared myself available um, for Wednesday night, Jim, for Indies in Division One after my uh, chastening vet stadium on Saturday. Uh, I'm seeing that as a bit of uh, maybe a bit, bit of fitness time for you. <laughs> maybe you can do some press-ups on the touchline for 90 minutes. I was going to say, have I done enough to earn a starting spot in that one? No, <laughs> no silence speaks volumes. Yeah, well, it was good to uh, good to get back on the field, although my delicate ego has been uh, somewhat bruised by uh, by how I was used in that one. It was very uh, very good competitive game. It's rare for Indies to come out of uh, on the right side of a tight result in the uh, in the Vets League. So to win one 0 frankly, Tony, we should have won by more, uh, and you will uh, be one of those who will recognise why, given the number of chances that we missed. Yeah, there was a couple that probably should have found the uh, found the back of the net, but um, yeah, no, very enjoyable and uh, yeah, good one uh, 0 win for Indies against in the Vets League. Right, I think that's just about it then. Um, let's leave it there um, before I dig in my hole any deeper um, with the Indies coach. Um, thanks again to Rehoy and Sun for their support of the show. Um, if you're not already, do hit follow or subscribe um, to get, uh, well, wherever you get your podcasts um, to get every episode delivered straight to you. And we'll be back next Monday. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Tony. Cheers.